It talks about Jesus sending out 70 of his disciples on a mission. And their task was fourfold. Number one, they were sent out to invite others to join the harvest. Number two, to share God's love and grace with the world. Number three, to heal the sick. And number four, to proclaim that God's kingdom is at hand. Now we looked at the first two tasks that Christ gave them to invite others to join them on this journey of faith and to share the love of Christ with the world. And we saw how all of us as Christ's disciples are called to do the same as we are sent out into our world. Now, before we move on to the next two tasks that Jesus gave them, I want to share with you a little bit more of the context of this story. Jesus' public ministry was quickly coming to an end, but there were still so many places, so many places that Jesus wanted to visit with the good news of God's kingdom. And Jesus had earlier visited the regions of Galilee in the north and Samaria in the central plains of Israel, but he had not yet visited the towns and the villages surrounding the Jordan River. Now, during the six months or so before his crucifixion, Jesus wanted to visit those areas. Why? Because the people who lived along the Jordan were treated with indifference by the Jewish religious leaders because a majority of them were Gentiles. And the Jewish leaders, they just didn't care about those towns and villages. And that may have been one of the reasons why Jesus sent out this group of disciples. Because Jesus had a heart. He had a heart for the spiritual needs of those who were being neglected. And Jesus wanted to reach as many of those folks as he could, as possible, in the short time that he had left. And he wanted them to know that God loved them and that salvation had come. So with prayerful hearts, the 70 disciples were sent out, knowing that they would be like defenseless lambs among the wolves. But Jesus assures them, that God will provide for their needs if they only trust him. And this, this story is, is a great story that teaches us a lot about what it means to be sent out into the world. But before we hear God's word this morning, please pray with me. Let's pray. Holy and gracious God, you are the greatest father of all. And on this special day of remembering fathers and those who have influenced us like fathers, we come into your presence seeking to understand, to comprehend what you would say to us today. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and our minds as we gather here. And as we hear your word, Lord, help us to apply it to our lives as we live each day according to your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Listen again to these words. 
from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning with verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, Go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you that on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, Today is Father's Day, and I thought I would begin by sharing a few thoughts from a book entitled The World According to Dad by C.M. Mantis. Now, in his book, Mantis writes that here are some words that most dads have said to their children at one time or another. Now, now see if you can agree with these statements. Have you ever said this to your children? This is going to hurt you, me, more than it hurts you. Quiet. I'm watching the game. Don't forget to check the oil and fill the gas tank. Bring back all the change. If you don't settle down back there, I'm going to come, I'm going to stop the car and come back and make you. How should I know? Ask your mother. I've used that one a time or two. Or, what do you think I am, made out of money? You are going, and you will have fun. <laughs> Said that a few times. If you break your leg, don't come running to me. Why? Because I said so. Now, I think that most parents can agree that being a parent is both a blessed blessing and a headache at times. Someone once said, parents spend the first part of a child's life urging them to walk and talk, and the rest of their childhood telling them to sit down and keep quiet. <laughs> Both parenting and fatherhood in particular can be difficult at times. Now, I sincerely believe that the sending of the 70 has a lot to say to those of us who are parents, as well as those of us who are not. 
the idea of being sent out into the world to share the message of God's love isn't just for a certain group of people. It's for all of us. You see, the time will come when you send your children out into the world. What's the message that you want them to share? I pray that it's the same message that those 70 disciples carried into the world, a message of God's love and grace, a message of hope. Isn't that the message that all of us need to share with our world? You see, we're all called. We're all called to invite others to join the harvest and to follow Jesus Christ. Parents and children, you and I, we're all called to share the love of Jesus Christ with our children and all of those we come in contact with every day of our lives. We're all called to be a healing influence in the lives of those God sends our way, especially our loved ones. And we're all called to proclaim that God's kingdom has come on earth, not only to our family and our friends, but to everyone that we meet along the way. This passage gives all of us the guidelines that we need to be instruments of God's love and grace to a hurting world. The young and the old, family and friends, everyone that God puts in our path as we walk this journey of faith. So let's take a closer look at what Jesus tells the 70 disciples as he sends them out on their way. In verse 3 of our text, Jesus gives his disciples a warning. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Now, I don't know about you, but one of my greatest fears is that someone will hurt the people I love so dearly. My children, my grandchildren, my wife, my family. And I also worry about my friends and neighbors. We have several neighbors in our block who, on our block who are struggling with cancer. And I care about them and what's going on in their lives. The world is full of pain, and as Christians, none of us are exempt. Jesus sent the 70 out to a hurting world, a hurting, dangerous world, like lambs in the midst of wolves. Note that verse 1 tells, tells them that they are to go out to visit every town and village, every town and village, even the ones that reject the disciples. The disciples are pray, preparing the way of the Lord himself to come and share the message of God's love and grace. And he sends them on their way without even a staff. You may recall from Tyler's sermon on, on Psalm 23 a while back that the staff was an important source of self-protection. Moreover, he sends the 70 out seemingly with, with nothing on their backs but their shirts. 
Jesus tells them to carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Jesus wanted them to rely on God for all their needs. Now, bear with me a second. I want to share another personal story with you. When God called us into the ministry, I was 26 years old. I was working in a factory in Des Moines, Iowa, Dyco Manufacturing. And our boys were four and five years old. I had one semester of college at the time. I had dropped out of college to get married and, and to raise a family. If you know the process of becoming a pastor in the Presbyterian Church, you know that you need a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in order to be ordained. And the process takes about seven years. I had one semester of college, so I started taking night classes wherever I could get them. At Drake University, at Grandview College, Des Moines Area Community College. I even took a class at the Osteopathic College. And all of that while working full time. And I finally got enough credits to transfer to the University of Dubuque in Dubuque, Iowa. Now, as I mentioned last week, our home church was Clifton Heights Presbyterian Church, and the pastor was a man by the name of George Mason. And he was so excited for us. And he supported us through our entire seminary experience. He even helped us move to Dubuque. And seminary was a time of trusting, trusting God to provide for our needs. I'm sure that Tyler and Jessica have experienced that same, same thing, having to trust God daily. And I remember one time when we were literally down to the last bit of food in our pantry. And we didn't know what we were going to do for our next meal. My job as a husband and as a father was to provide for my family, and I felt bad. What we were going, what were we going to do? Uh, all we could do was pray. All we could do was trust God to provide for our needs. And then there was a knock on the door of the apartment. And I answered to discover a delivery person standing there with a box. The box was from our friends at Clifton. And when we opened it, it was full of canned goods along with a check. We were down to our last bit of food, and God provided. Like manna from heaven, we felt so blessed. Jesus told the 70 disciples to trust, to trust God to provide. You know, sometimes that's hard to do. But God hears our prayers. And he blesses us in ways beyond measure. Life is not always easy, but God is always there. Jesus adds in verse 5 and 6, Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. If not, it will return to you. Now the word that's translated peace in this passage is one who shares in peace. 
and it literally means the son of peace. It reminds me of the beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. God doesn't just want to save us. He wants to make us his own. And peace is an indispensable byproduct of being a child of God. I love the story about two guys who were talking. And one says to the other, my therapist told me that the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So today I finished two bags of potato chips and a chocolate cake. I feel better already. That's not the kind of peace that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is talking about this inner peace, this inner peace that comes from knowing that God loves us and that we're his child. Jesus continues in verse 8 and 9, verses 8 and 9, by telling them, whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus sent the 70 out with a mandate to be healers, to cure the sick, to proclaim that the kingdom of God had come near. Now, isn't that our task as God's followers too? Whether we're a parent or not, so I want to share with you five ways that you and I can be a healing influence in the lives of those God allows to cross our paths. This applies to, to fathers and to grandfathers and to those who have influenced us like fathers and, and anyone who's a parent, even single parents. Five things, five ways that we can be a healing influence. The first way is that that we can be a healing influence is by nurturing those God brings into our lives. As parents and as followers of Jesus Christ, I think that's an important aspect of healing. God calls us to nurture, to nurture our relationships. Jesus told the 70 if they entered a home and that home accepted them and what they had to say to treat the people in that home with kindness, to cure the sick, to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom. When we walk out those doors on Sunday morning, do we love and appreciate those around us? Do we love and appreciate our family, our friends, our coworkers? the people that we meet on the street. We can be an instrument of healing in all of our relationships. God can use us to nurture those he sends into our lives to be a healing influence. The second way that the 70 were a healing influence is the fact that they were sent out to be the connecting point between those they met and God. The 70 had experienced the love of God through Jesus Christ. And they knew that faith in God eases the inner pain. It relieves anxiety and fear. And it creates this, this peace. A peace that only God can give. 
Jesus told them to say to the families in those homes that they entered, peace be into this house. And if they accepted that peace, to offer them the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that comes that in knowing that salvation has come in Jesus Christ. God calls you and I to be connecting points, that connecting point between him and those who cross our paths each day, especially our family and our friends and those we love. And the third way, the third way that the 70 were a healing influence in the lives of those they were sent out to witness to was to encourage everyone that they met to grow in their faith. I think that's an important task for us as fathers, as parents, those who, as we influence others every day, happiness and peace come in immersing ourselves in the knowledge that God loves us and sent his son into the world to save the world. You see, spiritual growth is a process. We grow as we study God's word, as we strive to be the people that God called us to be. We grow as we share God's love, as we care for those who God has placed in our lives. Someone once said, God doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He wants to mold you into what he intended for you to be. Helping others grow to be who God intended them to be is the most, one of the most important tasks of a Christian, especially when it comes to our families. And the fourth way that we can be a healing influence in others' lives is to learn to express ourselves in positive ways. Don't be afraid to teach, to preach, to write, or express yourself as a Christian. The ways that we express ourselves have the power to destroy or the power to, to build up. The writer of Proverbs tells us, the tongue has the power of life and death. The Apostle Paul wrote these words, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Are we expressing ourselves in ways that build people up? rather than destroy them? Are we helping others to grow closer to God? The 70 were sent out with the task of expressing themselves in a way, in ways that would attract others to the faith, not turn them away. Are we expressing ourselves in ways that lead others to know without a doubt that we're followers of Jesus Christ? You know, it's so important to express ourselves in positive, loving ways, especially when it comes to our relationships with others. And the fifth way that we can be a healing influence is by example. Do others look at us and know by the way that we act and live that we're a Christian? 
As a father, I want to be the best example that I can be to my family, to my children. Yes, I sometimes fail, but at least I try. How about you? It's been said, it's not what you say, but what you do that's important. Or as I like to put it, it's your attitude, not your aptitude, that determines your altitude. In other words, you don't have to be smart to share God's love and grace. And you don't have to be an expert on the Bible. And you don't have to know every scripture by heart. All you have to do is have the right attitude towards others. To love them as God loves them. To treat them in the same way that you want to be treated. We can be a healing influence in our relationships with others by being the example that God wants us to be, that God calls us to be. An example of faith, hope, and love. As 1 Corinthians chapter 13 puts it, the greatest of these is love. Some of you may have heard of a comedian by the name of Benjamin Kubleski. No? Well, he was from Waskegon, Illinois. He died in 1974, and you may recognize his picture. Jack Benny was his professional name. When Jack was a young man, he was working in the same studio as a young lady he wanted to date. And her name was Mary Livingstone. Now, he thought that she was beautiful, but he was too shy and embarrassed to ask Mary out. Now, he couldn't get up the courage or the nerve, so he started sending her a single red rose to her desk with no note attached every day. Every day she received a red rose. And finally, one day she asked the delivery man who was sending her these roses. He said a guy by the name of Jack who worked in the same studio. And she found out who he was. Finally, they began talking, and Jack asked her out for a date. She thought that after they started dating, that the roses would stop. But they didn't. They kept coming. A single rose every day. And they were engaged. And again, she thought the roses would stop. But they didn't. They kept coming, even after they were married. Every day, a single rose would show up at their door. Jack Benny died. And the day after the funeral, a single rose was again delivered to the house. After several days of receiving roses, Mary went to the florist and said, I don't know if you realize it or not, but Jack passed away. I know it's kind of you, but you don't need to send me a rose any longer. And the florist responded, Mrs. Benny, you don't understand. Jack loved you so much that he made provisions years ago to provide you with a single rose every day for the rest of your life. What an example 
of love. God calls us to be an example of his love too. An example of love to our world. This story from the Gospel of Luke teaches us what it means to be sent out. On this day when we celebrate fathers and those who have been a father figure to us, we need to remember that all of us are being sent out to invite others to join us on this journey of faith, to share the love of God through Jesus Christ, to be that healing influence in the lives of those we meet along the way, and to proclaim that the kingdom of God is near. My friends, this morning I challenge you. I challenge you to leave here this morning and be like the 70 that Jesus sent out. Don't just come here on Sunday mornings and listen to the sermon and do nothing. Live your life in the manner that God calls you to live. Whether you're a father or not, our task is to lead others to Christ. Are you ready to do that? May God grant all of us the courage to be all that he's called us to be and to do all that he's called us to do. Amen and amen. Please pray with me. Almighty and loving God, Lord, we are so grateful for your word to us today and the blessings of family and friends. And on this day when we especially are especially grateful for the gift of fathers and those who have been a father figure in our lives, we thank you. We thank you for the many ways that they've shaped us, for their example and for their love. We also pray for those who have had painful relationships with their fathers, those who are estranged from their fathers, and fathers who are estranged from their children. We realize, Lord, that sometimes relationships are difficult. We pray for healing where there might be pain. We also thank you for everything that was good and positive in the relationships that we've had with our fathers. No matter what the circumstances, Lord, we especially thank you for being the greatest father of all, our father in heaven, a father that we can trust that we know that we can depend on. Bless us now, O Lord, and be with us on this day. Lord, we pray for those who need your healing touch.